Do you look at your mountain of goals and feel stuck? Or have you already achieved great things and yet you know there's still more? Then you've come to the right place. We're here to offer practical tools and tangible strategies to change your mindset. And challenge you to produce a life beyond the norm. I'm Nate. I'm Laura. Welcome to the Transcendence Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to our very first episode of the Transcendence Project. I'm Nate. Hi guys, I'm Laura. We're so excited to be starting this podcast. Laura and I have been together since 2011. She was in middle school, I was in high school, and three years ago we got married. And the whole time, Laura and I have been on a path of personal growth. Yeah. And one of the things that we've always had in common, both of us, is pursuing excellence, whether it be in our marriage, relationships, finances, jobs. Um, And one of the cool things I feel like both of us do is we level each other out. Yeah, I'm definitely the more of the go-getter, the big dreamer, the go after exactly what you want out of life and just chase after it with everything you got. Where Laura is definitely more of the hesitant one, the the one that's going to do risk analysis and figure out every situation before starting. We do a really great job of balancing each other out and challenging each other in our state of weakness. Yes. Talking about me being hesitant, I feel like I am very good at talking myself out of just about anything, which is why I've had to be super intentional about the people that I surround myself with. I choose friends and mentors that are dreamers and go-getters and will say yes to anything, which is why I'm married to someone like you, who is the exact opposite. And I'm, like Laura said, the exact opposite. I have very little fear when it comes into jumping to something new. Uh, So I've chosen to surround myself with people that actually challenge me in areas that I want to improve on and challenge me in very specific areas. So all of my friends have been strategically placed, whether it's to challenge me in creativity, whether it's to challenge me in my faith, whether it's to challenge me in business or relationship wise, I'm very, very strategic as to who I put in my life and let me influence that. And I feel like most of you will fall into either category. Um, You might be the go-getter or you might be the hesitant type. So together through our podcast, we're going to bring both perspectives. Yeah. What we want to do with this podcast is really teach you the path that we've been on and that we're still on. You know, we're still learning this stuff as well, uh, but we want to share what's helped us thus far and what's gotten us thus far. Right. And what a better way to keep learning than to actually teach it. Because to teach something, you have to become an expert on it. And that's what we're on track to do. Right. And we're very aware that we are still young. We are still learning and we are not creating this to um, make it seem like we know it all, because just as we go along through this journey, we're going to be learning more stuff as well. So guys, getting into the very first episode, we want to talk about self-awareness because self-awareness is the biggest thing that allows you to know exactly where you're starting from. It's honestly the biggest thing that's actually helped me in 2019, you know, few years back, I started in the automotive industry as a salesperson. And you fast forward at the age of 23, I became the general manager of a high-end car dealership. It focuses on high-line sports cars, you know, very, very specific higher-end vehicles of a, you know, a dealership that does over a million dollars in sales every single week. And now I manage 50, 55 employees. And I did all that at 23 years old, but It all tracks back to, especially in 2019, becoming more and more self-aware. You know, at the beginning of that year, I wasn't even in consideration for having that position. And six months into the year, I seem to be one of the only picks for it just because 
I knew where I, where I was coming from and I knew where to go and I could start my growth there. I think it's good to mention also the incredible opportunity that you got um, to be a part of a business group that was all about self-awareness. Yeah, I mean, this group just taught me a ton about leadership, a ton about um, business things, but it's mainly about leading your team and how to grow a team. And the biggest thing you have to start with as a leader is where are you at and what are you doing to grow yourselves? And and that's why we want to start with self-awareness on this podcast. Laura, tell us a little bit more about what is self-awareness. Yeah, so we want to start out with a definition. And self-awareness means conscious knowledge of one's own character, feelings, motives, and desires. Now with this, guys, a lot of people immediately when they hear self-awareness is like, yeah, I know myself. I'm very self-aware. But Laura has a whole list here of things that show you may actually lack self-awareness. And when you listen to this Mm -hmm. list, you're going to be like, oh man, that's me. (laughs) Yeah. So just a quick rundown. Um, Signs that you may lack self-awareness. You might be in complete denial. And, you know, whether you acknowledge your weaknesses or not, everyone around you is still going to see them. Secondly, you might make excuses You might find that you're micromanaging the people around you. You might be someone who's constantly defensive when someone tries to um, help you with an area that you may lack in. And let's be honest, you don't know it all. Um, And another area is lacking in self-control. This could be in your health. This could be in your time management. It encompasses all of that. Um, you might find that you get your uh, you get distracted very easily. Maybe you find that you're spending a lot of time on social media and not sticking to you know what needs to get done, or you're you feel like you're jumping around to all different tasks and not focusing in on one task, um, which leads into the last uh, sign that you might lack self awareness is not meeting goals. You might find that you're staying stagnant. Acknowledging the need to become better is one of the first steps. And honestly, a lot of times it's the hardest, but when you can recognize the need to become better, it's going to help you gain that momentum to become more self-aware. So let's get into what being self-aware can do. It's going to allow you to have a better thought process and decision making. It's going to allow you to feel more in control. When you are self-aware, it's less likely that someone can manipulate you or even persuade you in a way Um, that isn't aligned with the goals and where you need to be going in your life. It can allow you to be accountable for your own self. If we're not careful, we will pick everyone else's falls out without ever examining ourselves. Um, So we need to be just as aware of our own flaws and weaknesses as we are of others. Um, Next, body language. Nate, I want you to um, kind of dive into this a little bit because oftentimes your actions speak a lot louder than your words. When you become self-aware, you you get to actually realize what you're portraying to people. And oftentimes it's actually true. Sometimes it's not true. And that's the times that we want to be even more cautious of it because we don't want to give somebody the wrong message. For instance, if you're public speaking, let's use a simple one for to start with this. And we'll, we'll have other podcasts that go more in depth with body language. But if you're public speaking, you want your hands confidently down by your side, not twitching, not moving. Mm-hmm. The more moving your hands are doing, the more nervous you look. If you have your hands behind your back, people tend not to not trust you because they think you're actually hiding something. Mm-hmm. If your hands are in your pocket, you're saying this is a casual encounter. I'm not really, this isn't really that important to me. Mm. This isn't that significant because my hands are in my pocket. I'm casual right now. I'm comfortable, not confident. And if you're holding your own hand, that shows that you actually need nurturing. Mm. So you're uncomfortable. It shows that you're not coming from a state of confidence and so you're not coming from a state of comfortability of directness 
oftentimes if you see somebody wandering back and forth, you'll pay more attention to them stepping back and forth than what they're saying. It tells people that your thoughts are wandering. It tells Mm. people that you're not grounded and not sure of what you're saying. So they're going to think you're not grounded and they're not actually going to listen to what you're saying either. Right, right. Body language is super important. Next, it will bring improvement to your internal dialogue. We all know how we can have one negative thought and it just causes a deep downward spiral to where our whole dialogue in our mind is just completely negative. Um, You know, we need to find a balance of recognizing our flaws, but also having self-compassion. I feel like sometimes we can be the type to just pass our achievements off to the side. And other times we can be the type to punish ourselves for failing. And I feel like there's a, we need to find a good balance of that. You will also begin to know your natural tendencies. You'll be aware of where you might be falling short, but you'll also be aware of, you know, where, what you're really good at and how you can maximize both. And a little side note that I want to make is when you hide your weaknesses, you're actually highlighting them. Um, So this actually goes into maximizing your leadership and influence. It's going to create authenticity. It's going to create credibility. When you take responsibility for what you don't know, you benefit not only yourself, but those around you as well, because you're willing to be vulnerable and say, hey, you know, I know that I'm good at this, but I'm not that good at this. So that might be an area that someone can help you in. And when you're able to show that you're not great at everything, it's going to create that integrity and credibility. Yeah. Self-awareness is best followed by acceptance. You need to be able to accept where you're at. The moment you start becoming self-critical and self-judgmental and just putting yourself down as you go on this path of self-awareness, that's when you start to contract more. That's when you become more defensive. And the more defensive and contracting you do, the less growth you can have. So you need to go in this with an open mind, know that you're not perfect and know that you can accept where you're starting from as a starting place, knowing that you're going to grow from this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because like I I said, if you close that off, you're closing your growth off and you're going to stay the same. And like Laura said, you know, amplify your weaknesses. Right. Yep. And lastly, perspective is everything. So um, one of the greatest things about self-awareness is it's going to help you gain a healthy perspective on your overall life. So yeah, this is not only going to give you perspective on your own life, but it's also going to give you perspective as you're learning a lot of this. It's going to give you perspective on how other people and where they're at Mm -hmm. and how you can interact better with each other. That's one thing that's helped us a lot in our marriage. Yeah. Now, what we're going to talk about now is different strategies. There's three major strategies to actually become more self-aware and go ahead and start that that locating process of where you're at so that way we can start the path to growth right afterwards. So the first one is going to be becoming self-reflective. To become self-reflective, is this is a time where you can actually quiet down your mind, where you can actually pause your thinking and reflect back on either a situation that just happened or a decision that you just made and you know, ask yourself a few questions along that, you know, one, one way to become more self-reflective in just general, this isn't based off a decision or, or a situation is just, Hey, what do I want? Mm -hmm. You know, what do I truly really want down deep inside? Be selfish. Sometimes you, some of us focus so much on making others happy that we never really tune into what we want. First of all, figure out what you want, because that's where your goals are going to come into place. Yep. And, and one of the things that goes along with self-reflection, um, you know, there's different practices that you can do. And we're going to dive into this um, more in depth in a later episode. But, you know, there's different forms of meditation. There's gratitude practice. There's, you know, if, if faith is a big part of your life, there's prayer. There's 
um, different Bible studies and even journaling. Those are ways to actually take time to pause and reflect, write down, you know, hey, this went really well for me this week. And I'm really grateful for that. Or, you know, it might be, okay, Sunday evening, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to just like you were talking about, you know, being specific about the desires, you know, writing down those desires. Okay, this week, I want to accomplish this. This week, I want to make a point to, you know, fill in the blank. And with that too, some of the other questions I want to challenge you to ask yourself, especially in a situation interacting with another person, and especially in the situations where the interaction was some kind of conflict or disagreement, reflect back and say, hey, you know, was there anywhere in that conversation that I got reactive or Mm -hmm. I got self-protecting? Because the moment you become defensive or reactive or self-protecting and just worrying about protecting your yourself, you limit the perspectives of actual other people and you limit your actual growth. You can limit what you're seeing in that conversation. Right. Now, a couple other questions you can ask yourself, was I more interested in controlling the conversation? Was I more interested in getting approval from the person or was I more interested in staying in a state of safety rather than actually learning, rather than being vulnerable, rather than opening up to how I truly feel? You know, did you get defensive at all? If you've ever been defensive, you've closed yourself off to learning at that moment. So always be cautious in the middle of the situation. But one of the best things to do is reflect back on that situation. That's so good. Yep. And that'll help you not just in marriage. I mean, yes, it's, it's been a really good tool for us, but it will also help you in friendships and even in the workplace with family members. I mean, it, it works for literally any relationship that you have. Getting more into relationships, the second strategy is actually create a feedback-rich environment. Mm-hmm. Have the conversation with the friends and family and coworkers that you spend the most time with and let them know, hey, this is what I want. Be very strategic as to who you let, who you ask to be giving you that feedback right, yeah. as to what feedback you're getting. But you want to create an environment where people are open to walking up to you and saying, hey, you're either really good at this or, hey, you could have done this better because- mm-hmm. You want to celebrate your victories, but you also want to learn from your failures. And I think the best thing to do is be very specific as to who you put in your life and have that conversation with. Like Laura said, or like I said earlier, Laura mentioned I was in a group, a leadership group. That's a place that is a complete feedback rich environment. Mm -hmm. That is a group of high performers. And if you're in an organization of high performers, no one takes offense. Yep. We will call each other out if we mess up because it's a time to coach and it's a time to grow. We'll also celebrate each other when we have a major win or even a minor win. Minor wins are still wins. And it's important to actually recognize those. And talking about, you know, being specific about who you allow to give you that feedback. I think it's important to know, too. It's um, it's very good to be careful with your words when you are giving that feedback. Make sure you're doing it in a way that, you know, you're seeing the value that could happen and that could come if they work on a certain you know, whatever that issue might be. So I know for Nate and I specifically, we have done a really good job, I feel like, in the last year of being um, more open to feedback. It might be, you know, a discussion that we had where maybe I was a little short or maybe I didn't feel like um, what I was trying to communicate was heard well. And, you know, being able to take a step back and saying, hey, you know, I feel like you didn't listen to me quite as well as you could have. Or, you know, I don't think we thought this through correctly, you know, and being okay with 
<laughs> that feedback that you're getting. You know, we don't get defensive and or at least we try not to get defensive. <laughs> yeah, guys, no one's perfect. People <laughs> no. will still tend to get defensive yeah. at times, yep. especially when you're really hard headed, um, as I am oftentimes. And we'll get into that in later episodes yes. as we start discussing different personalities and how they work together. Uh, but another thing, like I stated earlier, when I'm choosing my friends, I'm only going to spend a lot of time with people that I can help them in some way and they can help me in some way. That's how the most rewarding friendships are is when you're both giving value. Yeah. There's a, there's a selfless part of a friendship and there's a selfish part of a friendship. Mm -hmm. So I have friends in my life that they, like I said, I only allow them to challenge me in the area that I know that they're better than me. No one is going to be better in every single area. So there's no one that you should idolize or put on a pedestal and chase after every single thing that they do. But be specific. I have a friend that challenges me, like I said, with creativity. I have a friend that challenges me or a couple that challenge me with business and leadership. I have a friend that challenges me with being a better husband and one day a better dad. I have a friend that challenges me, you know, to actually have fun sometimes Mm -hmm. because I sometimes get caught up in the work and caught up on the goals and I don't take the time to relax. So I put him in my life just to remind me that, hey, take a breath. You know, I have a friend that challenges me in the gym just to work harder. And they are all high performers in those areas of their life. And so I think, too, you know, you you could ask yourself, am I surrounding myself with high performers? This doesn't mean, oh, they're a high performer at their job. It doesn't mean they're all going to be high performers at a certain thing. It's going to mean that they are high performers in something that they are really, really good at. And if you feel like you have someone in your life that isn't a high performer, They're not going to help you get to where you want to be. If anything, they're going to keep you from getting where you want to be. So it's very, very important that you are intentional about who you're spending extra time with and who you're allowing to give that feedback to you. And I will say this strategy, number two, of creating a feedback-rich environment is a lot more uncomfortable than per se strategy one. Strategy one is something you do alone, something Mm -hmm. you, you reflect back on yourself. Like Laura said, it could be through your meditation. It could just be taking a second to breathe. It could be... However, your method is, that's a personal alone decision. Now you're letting other people in on what you're actually feeling and you're letting other people in on your weaknesses. And that's where this becomes a lot more uncomfortable. But when you compare the two together, you're limitless as to how far you can keep growing. Right. And if you're not familiar with this type of environment, it can sting a little bit at first. Um, You know, when people are willing to let you know, hey, I don't think, you know, you're doing well in this area or you could do better in this area. Um, but when you become more familiar with that environment, you're only going to get better. You're only going to be more challenged and you're not going to shrink back because you're challenged. You're going to grow because you're challenged. And like I said earlier, in a group of high performers, there's no offense. So if you want to surround yourself with high performers and you want to consider yourself a high performer, you're eliminating the excuse. You're eliminating yourself to be able to be defensive and you're eliminating yourself to be offended. And before we go on to the last strategy, I want to talk about accountability. And Nate, you were calling it a... You actually want to establish a learning partner. Mm. And you can have multiple ones of these. Like I said, that's kind of what I've done with my friends is actually created that partnership and had that conversation with them. Like, hey, if I am slipping up in the gym, Mm -hmm. call me out on it. Right. You know, if my creativity sucks this week, call me out on it. I need you to be that person that's going to step up and actually tell me when I'm slipping so I can actually correct it at that point. Right. So if you're not submerged in an environment that's like that, you can create that one-on-one accountability with each other. And let's be honest, 
a lot of times no one wants to be accountable. Um, but when you have that person where you can build that mutual trust to say, hey, I'm struggling in this area. I need you to help me. I need you to keep me accountable. I need you to call me out when I'm not following through with what I wanted to follow through with. And where they're going to you're going to do the same thing for them. And the reason that we don't want to call it an accountability partner is accountability partner is actually a one way transition. You're asking that person, hold me accountable in this. A learning partner goes two way. Yep. It's saying, hey, you hold me accountable in this. What do you want to grow on that I'm good at? And I can help hold you accountable to that. So the third strategy is actually going to be finding physical tools. And we've narrowed it down to the top three physical tools and assessments that can actually help you become more self-aware. The first one's going to be the Colby A index. This is going to narrow down a person's instincts. So it's a 36 question test. Um, this is going to actually measure how you act during different situations. They have four different types and that gives you strategies to grow no matter which type you lean towards the most. Now, the second one is going to be the Strength Finders 2.0. This is a book that has been revamped. That's why it's a 2.0. And it has a link inside the book to actually take a test. This test is time. So make sure you have time set aside to actually take this test, but it narrows down your top five talents. It categorizes all talents into 34 different talents and it narrows down your top five and how you can exemplify and amplify those talents mm -hmm. in your day-to-day -day life. And their talents, talents like organization or, you know, competitiveness, things that can actually help drive you and help you actually maximize your job or help you even find a job that, right. that uses those talents on a day-to-day -day basis. Yep. Maximizing those. So the last one that we're, the last tool is the Enneagram. My favorite. <laughs> a lot of you guys may be familiar with the Enneagram. The Enneagram is probably the best one for beginners. It's probably the one that you should start with, actually. Mm -hmm. um, one, the Enneagram's free. Now, I will encourage you, the other two do cost money. The one you either have to buy the book or the digital form of the book, and the other one you have to pay to take the test. But, you know, if you really want to be better and you really want to grow, you're going to have to take time to invest into yourself. Yep. And it's going to take time and money. And it's worth the investment. Yeah, you're going to learn so much from these. So I, I strongly recommend doing it. When you look at the long, the greater picture and the long term, this is actually going to be a wise investment for you. And the Strength Finder book, it comes with a code in the back, right? Yeah. So I don't recommend just paying and take the test because right. it's the same price as buying the book yep. and taking the test. So get the book, get the code in the back of the book and go online and take the test. Yeah, you're better off just buying the book so you can have it to go back on as well. So back to the Enneagram, the Enneagram is oftentimes identified as a personality test, but this is actually more deep than that. It goes a lot deeper than a normal personality test. They've given you a few traits that you represent. This is going to actually talk about your core motives. It's going to talk about how you view the world. It's going to talk about what motivates you, what, what fuels your desires, where is an unhealthy you, where is a healthy you, you know, and everything in between and how to actually keep growing towards a healthy side of you and what traits you exhibit when you're at your healthiest state. Right. And it's amazing. We've had, um, once we found out about it, we started having all of our friends and family take it. And it is crazy how accurate it is. And even with you and I, you know, we were reading each other's types and um, maybe some of our weaknesses and some of our strong points. And it's like, wow, these, like, this is your number. It, everything about it is just, that is you. And it's, it's really increased the clarity in our communication with each other. We've yep. learned how to talk to each other. Just a, just a quick brief thing. We'll get into all the different types in future episodes. We want to take an episode and actually break down each type. Mm -hmm. And next episode, we're going to break down the test 
in general Mm -hmm. uh, before jumping into the different types. So you have a little bit more background knowledge going into it. Um, But just how it's increased our communication. You know, Laura's a type six. She fears a lot. We've already talked about how she's a hesitant type. Type six is fear a lot. So whenever I'm presenting an idea to go do something, I already need to (laughs) pre-plan the different different scenarios as if this happens, how are we going to prevent this from happening or how are we still going to be okay at the end of it? And my type very seldom sees small signs. Mm -hmm. So if Laura wants to go on a date, you know, if my mind's wrapped up in work and on a goal, Laura needs to be like, Nate, I want to go on a date. Mm -hmm. It can't be a small sign here. Like, Hey, doesn't this place look good to go eat or something like that? Cause I'll just push to the side. Like I never heard it. Yeah. I'll have to be very direct with you and let you know exactly what I want. And prior to taking the Enneagram test, I don't think I would have directly realized that's what I needed to do. Um, One of the resources that I really like is the EnneagramInstitute.com. And you can actually read uh, the relationships between each type. So right after we took the test, um, which it's probably been about a year since we took the test, um, we sat down and we read the relationship between an eight and a six. And it, it basically was telling the whole story of our relationship and, you know, how an eight helps a six and how a six helps an eight. And, it brought a lot more clarity and not, into, not into just, our relationship. And not just with our relationship with each other, but this this can be a major factor in your communication with your friends because so many of us are different types and a lot of us actually choose friends that aren't even the same type. Mm-hmm. And so it actually, most of the time, your friends aren't communicating in the same way you are. So it can improve that communication too. You know, like I said, we're going to go way more in depth with this next week. Um, we are going to put a link down below of all the different tests. So we'll put a link to the Colby A index. Um, we'll put a link to where you can find the book for strength finders. Like I said, buy the book. Don't just take the test. Mm-hmm. The book is a wealth of knowledge in itself. And then uh, the link to actually take the Enneagram test as well. So with all that being said, I'm so excited that we're going to be diving into the Enneagram next week. Um, You can expect to see a new episode from us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We're also going to be posting all of the podcasts on YouTube, um, but not just podcasts. That's going to be our other way to give you even more content that, you know, would be mainly for video and not just an audio format. Uh, So definitely subscribe on YouTube. Even if you listen to our normal podcast on another platform, you don't want to miss the extra content that we're going to be producing there. Yes. And you can also follow us over on Instagram. I am at it's Laura Stevens. And I'm at the period Nate Stevens. (laughs) See you guys next week as we continue to live a life beyond the norm. Bye guys.